Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church, and I am really thrilled uh, to have another week to speak to you, another opportunity to share God's Word with you. And so today and tomorrow, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. We're going to be talking about the kindness of Rahab. Now, do you remember the game that you played as a kid? Follow the leader. It was a children's game in which everyone follows and does what the child who is chosen to be the leader does. Following the leader, right? There was a catchy little uh, tune that went along with that. And uh, there's actually a sing-along thing with Peter Pan uh, and following the leaders. And in front of my computer right now, I have a picture of penguins. Four of them following the leader, going down the same path. Well, it's nothing wrong with following the leader just as long as the leader is leading in the right direction. And so many times as we look at looking for somebody to follow, we'll team up and get behind the wrong person. The Bible is very clear uh, that bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, That's what Paul said to the Corinthian believers. And I want you to know today uh, that through kindness, your life can be changed. And you can follow along kind people Uh, Not people who are phony, but I'm talking about people who are genuine in their kindness. They're kind because Christ has changed them. And so today and tomorrow, I want to talk to you on this subject of the kindness of Rahab. Before we dive into the text, I was reading the parable of the resistance leader. It's not rational to trust anybody, but it is rational to trust God, even when we do not fully understand what he's doing. One of the most illuminating answers was put forward by an Oxford philosopher as he celebrated uh, the parable of the resistance leader. Now, I want you to imagine for just a moment that you are in Germany-occupied France during World War II, and you want to join the resistance movement against the Nazis. Well, one evening, a stranger comes to you and introduces himself as the leader of a local resistance group. Uh, He speaks and spends the evening with you, and he gives you an explanation of all of the requirements of your duties. If you want to join up with this resistance group, uh, and, and then he gives you a chance to assess his trustworthiness, and he offers you this chance to go on further and to join this group. But his warning is very stern. Now, if you join, your life will be at risk. Now, this will be the only face-to-face meeting that you'll have. After this, you're going to receive orders, and you will have to follow them without wavering or questioning. You know, you're often going to feel like you're completely in the dark as to the whys and the wherefores of the operations. And then you will always, with the terrifying fear that you trust, that your trust may be betrayed. Is such trust reasonable? Sometimes what the resistance leader is doing is obvious. I mean, he's helping members of the resistance. Thank heavens he's on our side, you may say. But other times, it may not be so obvious. He's in a Gestapo uniform, and he's arresting people. But unknown to you, uh, these Jews that he is arresting, he's turning around and releasing them out of sight so that it can escape the Nazis. But always you must trust and follow the orders without question, despite all the appearances, no matter what happens. Why? The resistance 
leader knows best. Only after the war will the secrets be opened, the codes revealed, the true comrades vindicated, the traitors exposed, and sense made of the explanations. As we look at the story of Rahab, uh, she is a character in the Bible uh, that we would not consider outstanding as far as her life morally. Whenever we read the story of Rahab, it always says, Rahab the harlot, or Rahab the prostitute. Uh, So we know her occupation. Uh, We also know that uh, she was not a Jew. Uh, She was living in the walls of Jericho. And let me give you a a little bit of background before we dive too deep uh, into the kindness of Rahab. As we look at her status in the world, she was not well-received in the world. Uh, She had an occupation, uh, the oldest occupation uh, known to humanity. Uh, Her status in the world was that she was a woman of ill report. But she offered service to Israel. She was saved. uh, And there is some significance that she offers to us. Uh, Now, the story of Rahab is found in Joshua chapter 2. And uh, her story kind of carries off into chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. And this passage that we're going to look at today and tomorrow in Joshua chapter 2 describes the conquest of this fortified city of Jericho by the Israelites. You know, in his days, Jericho was the most important Canaanite fortress city in the Jordan Valley. It was a stronghold directly in the path of the advancing Israelites. And the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Jordan River, but before they faced the Jordan River, they had to face Jericho. We learned in Joshua chapter 3, that's when the Jordan River experience takes place, but we're in chapter number 2. Uh, before entering the land west of Jordan, Joshua decides to send two of his spies to look over the land. And notice he didn't send 12 spies in like his predecessor uh, Moses did. Uh, he learned his lesson and he sent two guys that he knew uh, were well-trusted and men of faith, and he sends them in there to check out what the city of Jericho is looking like. Well, the king of Jericho heard that these two Israelite spies were within his city, and he orders them to be brought out to him. Rahab, the woman with whom the spies were staying, protects them by hiding them on her roof. She told them how the citizens of Jericho had been fearful of the Israelites ever since they defeated the Egyptians, and ever since they had gone and crossed the Red Sea miracle 40 years prior. And so she agrees to help this resistance group, and she helps them escape. Uh, She realized that in return for helping them escape, uh, that they were going to provide for her family, uh, and they were going to protect her family. The spies agreed to her request, uh, giving her just three conditions that she had to meet. And there's always conditions. You know, whenever God gives us a promise or he, he gives us a provision, You know, there's always a contingency to that provision. And the first one was that she must distinguish her house from all the others by hanging a scarlet rope out the window so the Israelites would know which home to spare. Now, as I saw that point, and I remember as a kid in children's church, uh, we had this story of Rahab and the spies going there and, and hiding out in the, in the roof of Rahab's home. Uh, her home was built right into the wall. And, uh, and then the spies left, but they were going to protect Rahab and her family. And, uh, and so that that section of the wall would not fall. It would be safe. Uh, but the way they had to identify it is they had to put a red scarlet uh, rope down the window. And now as I was reading that, 
that reminded me of what happened to the nation of Israel when Moses was leading them. Uh, Do you remember the 10 plagues that God used to change the heart of Pharaoh? Uh, It's an amazing story. Did you know that nine out of those 10 plagues did not affect, did not impact the nation of Israel? The locusts and the flies and the boils and, and, uh, and the water turning into blood, that didn't happen to the Israelites. That only happened to the Egyptians, except the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. That was going to affect all who were residing there in Egypt. But God protected his people by doing this. He said to the fathers, and under the leadership of Moses, Moses is speaking on behalf of God, and he says, now listen, dads, you are to take a lamb, a perfect lamb, without spot, without blemish. You're to slaughter that lamb, and you're going to offer it as a sacrifice, and then you're going to take the blood of that lamb, and you're going to sprinkle it on a doorpost. And at midnight, when the death angel passes over, uh, and passes through, it will pass over the individuals whose homes are protected by the blood. And that's where we have Passover. And to this day, uh, Jews celebrate Passover as a reminder of the fact that God spared his people from the death of the firstborn. It is a fascinating uh, story. It is a true story where God protects his people. The death of the firstborn was impacting all of the Egyptian people and would have impacted the nation of Israel, but God spared them. He passed over. Uh, Rahab is going to experience the same thing. When that scarlet cord is dropped down from her window, when those walls began to fall, uh, the death that would have incurred is going to pass over her home, pass over her family. So she had to distinguish her house from all the others by hanging that scarlet robe out the window. Uh, Secondly, her family must be inside, inside the house during the battle. You know, at the Passover, the families were told, hey, bring everybody home, uh, bring them into your home to celebrate Passover. They've got to be home, right? Uh, they've got to be protected. You know, I see a picture of the church. You know, if you're connected with a local body of Christ, unbeknownst to you, uh, you are protected. When you're in that house, you're protected. Uh, the Bible says that the church is to be protected and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, it doesn't say the gates of hell won't come against it, but it won't prevail against it. Now, that doesn't say that of the individual. It says that of those who are part of the church. And so Rahab's family had to be inside the house during the battle. And there's a third point that we see about Rahab. Rahab must not later turn on the spies. In other words, she couldn't have a change of mind. Uh, She had to be committed. Uh, She had to trust and obey, and this was a lifetime commitment. You know, too many times I think we diminish the significance of being a follower of Christ. Uh, We diminish it to the point where we say, well, just uh, invite Jesus into your heart. I think that's a good starting point, Uh, but that is not enough. When you become a follower of Christ, you are committed to serve him, to love him, and you're going to be committed to him like you are to your spouse, right? Until death do you part. Uh, maybe the reason that we take our marriage vows uh, so uh, we think they're so insignificant is because we feel like our relationship with Christ is so insignificant. Oh, I want you to commit to Christ. He's already committed to you. He says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Well, Rahab had to commit never to turn on these spies. Uh, she put her life on the line. Well, let's look at Rahab's status in the world. Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 
It says, Then Joshua the son of Nun secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So these two spies are looking at the the civilizations just outside of the Jordan River. Now, if you had a a map, you could see uh, Jericho is extremely close to the River Jordan. There's other smaller civilizations around Jordan, but Jordan was the big city, right? That was the big hub. Uh, That's the place that had the humongous walls uh, protecting it. As a matter of fact, many people believe that the walls around uh, Jericho, the reason they were so difficult to penetrate is because it was actually a double-layered wall. You had the outer wall, you had the inner wall, and if the enemy broke down and got through the outer wall, there'd be another layer of protection, and there would be soldiers that would actually be stationed on both the outer and the inner wall. Uh, So the odds of you getting in between both of these walls was almost impossible. And so oftentimes people would build into the wall, and they believe that Rahab's house may have even been built across the outer wall and the inner wall, and there was about 10 or 15 feet between the inner wall and the outer wall, and some believe that she's right at the top, and that way everybody knew where she was, uh, but everybody, and she could see people come and go into the city, and everybody knew exactly where she was. And, And some people wrongly have interpreted that Rahab was an innkeeper. And that was kind of a place you could stay, right? You're visiting Jericho, and uh, why don't you stay at Rahab's Inn? Uh, well, the Bible's clear. She wasn't an innkeeper. Uh, she was a prostitute, a harlot. That's what she did. But I want you to know, although she was a prostitute, and that's what she did, she is known not because she was a prostitute. She is known for her faith. That's who she was, a woman of faith. Now, now Rahab's an amazing lady when you think about it. Although she was a woman of ill repute, uh, she was not a, a Jew, she is listed in the genealogy of Christ. Now, not only is she listed in the lineage of Christ, she is also listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of the faith. There's only two women uh, listed in the heroes of, of the faith. Sarah and Rahab. Now, when you look at your life, don't let what you did in the past define you in the present or define you in the future. The past is in the past. Every one of us have things that we regret that we did in the past. And there's no doubt about that. I'm so glad that that you who are listening to me don't know all the things that I've done in the past. You would probably turn off the radio. You'd probably turn off the broadcast and says, I ain't listening to this dude anymore. Uh, He's more messed up than I am. Uh, Yeah, maybe I was more messed up than you, and maybe I was a nut, but I want you to know something. I'm a nut that screwed on the right bolt, and I hope that you are too, right? When Christ comes into your life, you are a new creation. The old is done away with. All becomes new. Now, the Bible does not deny Rahab's occupation. But the Bible focuses on her faith, not on her sin. So what are you focusing on today? Are you focusing on the past of all the sin that you committed? Or, and are you focusing on the sins of everybody else and how bad everybody else is and how bad our culture is? Well, why don't you focus on faith? Because when you focus on the sins of yourself and the sins of others, there's nowhere else for you to go except to be driven to fear. 
You know, as I look at the story of Rahab, one of the amazing things about the story of Rahab is as these spies are visiting with Rahab, Rahab says, you know what, guys? We have been petrified of you. Let me tell you something about sharing your faith. You know the number one reason that people don't share the gospel? The number one reason, they are afraid. They're afraid they're going to be rejected. They're afraid that they're not going to have an answer. Uh, Somebody ask a difficult question and they won't have the answer. I want to give you a little secret about sharing your faith. When you share your faith with somebody, that person is more scared than you are. Yeah, yeah, that person is more afraid than you are. You think about how people act when they're afraid, right? When people are afraid, what do they do? Uh, they get mad at you, right? They lose their temper with you. When uh, Fear drives some people to be angry, right? Fear drives some people to be very sarcastic and, and to cut somebody else down. You know, you think about why do you cut another person down? Because uh, maybe you're envious of them and, and you're fearful that, the, that somebody may know that they're actually better than you are. And so what do you do? You cut them down, right? And you try to beat them to the punch and so you cut them down. That's what fear does. Why is it that we avoid certain things? Not because we are afraid. Now, just the other day, I was with somebody. And uh, I, I've never liked to go into elevators. And I told this person, I said, let's take the stairs. And uh, I said, why do you want to take stairs? Well, I kind of I lied, right? I said, well, I'd like to take the stairs because I, <clears throat> I need the exercise. That wasn't exactly the truth. The reason I want to take the stairs is because I didn't want to get in that elevator. Uh, I was at that, that moment where I was like, man, I don't want to get in that elevator. What happens if things get stuck, right? And uh, that's one of my fears, that the elevator's going to get stuck in between the floors, and I'm going to be trapped in there, right? And uh, most elevators, as you know, they're not very big. And, uh, and because I battle claustrophobia, uh, I hate to be in an elevator. So uh, I force myself to do it, right? And, uh, and so I get real talkative in elevators. Most people, when they jump in an elevator, they don't say anything. Well, I'm just the opposite. Uh, when I get nervous, I talk a lot, okay? And, uh, and so why do I avoid the elevators? Because of fear. Why do people avoid believers that are sharing the gospel with them? I remember one time I was knocking on doors, and I was inviting people to come to church. And I was just going door to door, me and this other guy. And I remember I knocked on this one door. Now, this is before uh, we had these, all these fancy doorbells with cameras on them, right? And uh, so I'm knocking on this door, and I saw that the people were home. And uh, it was the funniest thing that ever happened. <laughs> I saw this guy duck down under his window and started crawling behind his couch uh, so that uh, he would think I wouldn't see him, and he was hoping that I would think there's nobody home. Well, I kept on knocking and knocking and knocking. Finally, you know, I said, well, these people aren't coming to the door. I know they're home, but they're avoiding me. Why do you think they were avoiding us? Well, I guess they were fearful of having a conversation with us. Maybe they thought we were a cult or something, but perfect love drives out fear. Here we have the nation of Israel. They are scared of going into Jericho. They are scared of crossing the Jordan River. They are scared of going and possessing Canaan. And they don't realize that their enemy is more afraid of them than they are of their enemy. That's how Satan works. He wants us to be driven with fear. Somebody says a good acrostics for fear is false evidence appearing real. And when you look at false evidence, if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. 
The truth is that Jericho was afraid of the nation of Israel because they had witnessed and they had heard of some things. And and we discover something really interesting in this story here uh, with Rahab. Many of the inhabitants of Jericho were part of a group that the nation of Israel had faced before. As a matter of fact, many of the inhabitants of Jericho were already defeated by Israel in the wilderness. And because the Israelites were not completely obedient, God told them to totally annihilate, to totally destroy the Amalekites. Many of them, they didn't. And so they ran back to Jericho. And they were still there 40 years later. But as they go back, right, uh, they're sharing with the inhabitants of Jericho. So, man, we just went up against the Israelites, and they whooped our butts, but we escaped. And we're coming back to tell you that those Israelites, man, they are, they are strong people. Their God parted the Red Sea. Their God provided manna. Their God provided quail. Their God provided water. Their God gave them victory over the enemies. And we're going to read a little about that in just a second. And so the stories are getting back to Jericho. And now we have these spies that have come into uh, the walls of, and, and visited with Rahab, and we've got to find these guys. Uh, we've got to find out what kind of information they have. Uh, we've got to interrupt them uh, and to figure out how they're going to come in to attack us. And so Rahab is right smack dab in the middle of this fascinating story. Now, there's something else about Rahab. Because of her kindness, not only was she having this status in the world that was going to change, but she also provided a service to the nation of Israel. Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Before the spies lay down for the night, it says that she went up to the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country, they're melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Shihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And as we look at this, we discover that these spies come, they're led by the Lord to go to Rahab's house. Now, don't read into the text what is not there. There is nothing, nothing wrong happening here, right? They are visiting Rahab for the purpose of getting information. And as they're there, Rahab shares with them the information that they needed. And uh, as a result of protecting these spies, she works out a deal with them. She's kind to them. And she says, in return for my kindness of protecting you, would you be kind in return and protect me and my family? Uh, But they learn something here. And they learn that the people of Jericho understand the Lord has already given them this land, and they're filled with fear. They know that they are living in territory that really belongs to Israel, and they have seen God move in a miraculous way. Even though they were not believers, and even they were, though they were not of the Jewish faith, they understood that they were living in the promised land that belonged to the nation of Israel. Well, safely escaping the city, the two spies returned to Joshua and reported that the whole land is melting with fear. The Israelites crossed the Jordan into into Canaan, uh, where they laid siege into the city of Jericho. The land was completely destroyed. 
Every man, woman, and child in it was killed. Only Rahab and her family were spared. Well, ultimately, Rahab married Salmon, an Israelite from the tribe of Judah. Her son was Boaz, the husband of Ruth. Joseph, the legal father of Jesus, is her direct ascendant. Wow, what an amazing story. Well, we've got more to share on the life and kindness of Rahab. So please join me tomorrow as we have part two talking about the kindness of Rahab. And it's it's a fascinating story. So read Joshua chapter two if you have time uh, tonight or or tomorrow morning. And when we get back together tomorrow uh, afternoon, uh, we will look at the second part of this message, the kindness of Rahab. Now, when God fills us with kindness, we can't help but have that kindness overflow. The Bible says, be kind to one another, build each other up, right? And, uh, and, and be encouraging to somebody today. You'll discover that kindness, the more it is given away, the more it expands. The more you give kindness, the more you receive kindness. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, flowing over shall men give to your bosom. So thank you for joining me today. Now, if I can pray for you, uh, my number is 252-267-2365. Shoot me a text and I'll put you on our prayer list, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Looking forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.